beginning was the word and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. John bare witness of him and cried saying, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. <laughs> I trust that everybody has had a, uh, an awesome, awesome week and uh, ready to go into this new week. Today is May 1st, so happy new month. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you are here, you have made it. <laughs> God has been good to you. Give our Lord and our Savior a round of applause. I will admit that I'm extremely nervous this morning. And of all the Sundays that Pastor could have been on vacation, could have been doing missions work, he decides to show up today. But it's all good, huh? <laughs> uh, let's turn to uh, for, let's turn to John chapter one. I'm gonna read from verses one to eighteen. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. I'm going to go ahead and get started. As you was looking at the, uh, at the um, projection, uh, the production screen, it kind of already went into it. But it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And I'm reading this out of the NASB. And the Word was God. In verse 2 it says, He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Verse 4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and darkness does not comprehend it. And you can actually skip down to, verses, to verse 9 where it says, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. Verse 12 says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Verse 13 says, who were born not of blood, 
nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Taking to the last four verses, uh, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, and his glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John testified about him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he comes after me, has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Verse 16 says, for of his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Amen. I know some of you are like, well, that's a lot of reading. <laughs> and the good news is, if you haven't read your Bible all week, you have had an opportunity to get into a full dose of the Word. <laughs> before I was a Christian, that is before that I affirmed my faith in Messiah Yeshua, before I embraced the gospel message, and before I made a public commitment to join the Messianic movement, I, like probably some of you, did not know much about the Christian faith, especially why we should come to church. I was not raised as a Bible-believing Christian. I did not know about a relationship with God. Uh, growing up, I thought church was about going to a place on Sunday as part of this religious activity. But I could never remember hearing anything about God. Not that they didn't teach about God, it's just that I just could not remember hearing it. Matter of fact, the worst, thing, the worst time of the week for me was Sunday mornings because I knew I was about to be bored out of my mind. <laughs> Church was just a place to go, but not a place for me. I remember saying to myself that if heaven was anything like church, then I did not want to go to heaven. <laughs> and you may say, well, maybe I went to a really boring church and that, that is the reason why I felt the way that I felt. And the truth is, I did not have an understanding of why Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, there's some sitting here today, some who may be listening to the various, through the various media, media platforms and our, of course our global community who are saying, why Christ? That is family members, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, etc., who are questioning why Christ. And they are looking for us to give them an answer. So the title of this sermon is brilliantly called, Why Christ? Did you know that there are over 4,200 4, yeah, 4, religions in the world today? That means over 4,000 religious communities who have belief that does not accurately answer, Why Christ? Sadly, even in Christianity, many are walking away because they have not fully understood why Christ. We have professing believers who are embracing ideologies that have more to do with New Age thought, but 
are, but instead of the calling in Christianity, if the apostles were here today, they would be scratching their heads. And so the question that we're going to be addressing today is, why Christ? We have just read what is commonly understood as the prologue in the Gospel of John. A prologue is an opening to a story that establishes the context and gives background details, often, uh, often some earlier story that ties into the main one and other miscellaneous information. So if you just read with us John chapter 1 verses 1 through 18, that is a prologue and it gives you an idea of what the remaining, uh, remaining story in the Gospel of John is all about. Why Christ? The Gospel of John is believed to have been written by John the Apostle. John, or as he would be called in his Jewish name, Yohanan. Yohanan means Yahweh is gracious. And John is writing the prologue as a preface to the gospel explaining that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is a gracious God. Isn't that awesome? That we're not serving a God who is taking from us, but a God who is gracious? A God who gives? That is the God that we serve, and John's prologue in and of itself sets his presentation of Jesus Christ apart from all the other different gospel accounts. In Matthew, the story of Jesus Christ starts with the genealogy. In Luke, the story of Jesus Christ starts with, of course, the, the birth narrative. And in, 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 in Mark, Jesus Christ is presented as the fulfillment of Isaiah's pro prophecy as well as, as well as all the different prophets. But John presents Jesus Christ going all the way back, not to the first day that he was born, not even to his, to his earthly parents, Joseph and, and Mary. No, John goes further back. John goes into eternity. John presents Jesus Christ as the Word or the Logos, the one who was in the beginning with God, with God and, and is the agent by which all things were created. Time will, not per, per, time will not permit me to go in depth about the Word or the Logos, but just talking about the Word alone could take us at least an hour mainly because John, as a Jewish man, used language that not only spoke to his immediate audience, that is the Jews that were living in Israel during the Second Temple era, as well as the Greek-speaking Jews who did not speak Hebrew or Aramaic, but also the Gentiles who were unfamiliar with the God of Israel. Yahweh is gracious because he extends himself every time. In other words, if you don't know me, I'm here to show you who I am, despite what language you speak, despite what culture you live in, despite what religious background you may have had, I am here to show you that I am gracious. Yes. 
The last part of John verses 1 says that the word was God. The word was comes from the Greek verb emi, which means to be. It speaks of uh, the quality of existence or being. In other words, the word existed as having God's quality of being. Everything that is applicable to the word, uh, sorry, everything that's applicable to God is also applicable to the word. Amen? You know, we were just having this discussion in, uh, in our grade groups and also in our, in our youth class, we're having this discussion in which we talk about God and come to the realization that talking about God is a very difficult subject to navigate. And the reason why it's a very difficult subject to navigate is because when you speak the word God or you say God, all kinds of ideas uh, are triggered, right? For instance, or should I say, we have two things that, that impact our understanding of God. We have the external factors and we have the internal factors. And this is really goes to the age-old debate of nurture, nature versus nurture. We have our psychologist in the house, you know, so this is something he's very, very familiar with. What, what are the external factors? The external factors are referring to our environment, things like our culture, our, our life experience, our education, our shared history. For example, someone who's may be experiencing oppression or is living in oppressive conditions has a different perception of God than someone who has been living a lifestyle of luxury and prestige. Both parties can hear the same stories about God but walk away with two different ideas. Why? Because external factors shape their idea, their understanding of who God is. So we have, ex we have the external factors. Then we have the internal factors. What is the inter internal factor? The internal factor is our inward disposition towards God. All of us have a fallen, uh, are fallen human beings. And as a result of our fallen nature, we interpret God through the lens of sin. Having the nature of sin gives you a disposition towards God that has nothing to do with God himself. It has everything to do with your disposition towards God. You know, sometimes we have these discussions where you could be talking with a friend and, you know, you think back at things like 9-11 where the attacks had occurred on the World Tower and you would say, well, if, if God existed, why did he let such atrocities happen? Because our disposition towards God places the blame on God rather than placing the blame on us. Think about it. We're just talking about terrorists that are flying into the building and we blame God for that. Or we say God should have stopped that. How about when we lie? <laughs> How about we go, when we go to make decisions to go places that we should have never gone? Or watch 
videos that we should have had no business watching. Because we want God to take the blame rather than assuming the responsibility. Our inward disp disposition towards God as a result of our, of our fallen nature characterizes God in a way that has absolutely nothing to do with God himself. So we have our external factors and we have our inward factors. So why, so why Jesus Christ? Again, John's prologue places the emphasis on the word, the logos, the one who has the very nature of God because the writer wants us to see the full weight of Yahweh's graciousness on display. In other words, he wants you to see an idea, catch a picture of who God is that is different from your, what your external factors have shown you and what your internal factors that sin nature has told you about God. John wants you to see that Yahweh is gracious. So we see here in John chapter 1 verse 4, it says the apostle, the apostle John says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The Greek language has three different words for life. There is bios, which is where we get the word biology. This deals with life that can be detected by external existence, by the natural, like for instance, the physical body. The, the, the things on the earth, talk about the trees, uh, the plant. All that is part of biology, bios, life. There is also another word for life, which is in the Greek, which is suke. This is where we get the word psychology. I can't, I'm reading your mail today. <laughs> This aspect of, of life is about the soul, the aspect related to the mind, will, and emotions that deals with your individual identity. The third aspect of life, or another word for life in the Greek, is the word zoe. This is eternal life. This is life that comes from God. This is life that gives purpose to the other aspects of life. Zoe gives purpose to bios, gives purpose to suke. It speaks to existence in the general, this life that is beyond living, beyond living is beyond the physical life because the physical life has a time span. Your mind over a period of time gets dull, but life that is from God is everlasting. It's not subject to time. It's not subject to the limitations of life. It, it never gets old. It's, it's there. It's, it's, he, it's a quality of life that is beyond what we can comprehend. And because of sin, we've been cut off from this type of life. Y'all remember the story in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned before God. God told them, if you eat of this, if you eat of this fruit on this day, you shall surely die. Did Adam die on that day? Physically, Adam was still there. 
mentally, Adam still had his mind. Still, he was still able to comprehend, still able to perceive the reality around him. But if you also notice in the story, immediately after they ate of the fruit, they immediately recognized that they were naked, so they sold fig leaves and they went, they hit the highway running. <laughs> Before Ray Charles came out with Hit the Road Jack, Adam, <laughs> Adam came out with that song. <laughs> Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Give me Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Shouts out to the media team. They doing the best they can. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Stop right there and go to uh, verse 14. This is Paul speaking. Paul says, nevertheless, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. Basically, death now took authority over the life of Adam, the life of Eve, and all of those who came after. It's interesting that Paul uses the Greek word thanatos which is death personified. I don't know if, if many of you like me, I used to love reading Greek, uh, Greek mythology way back in the days. I love those stories. But in the Greek language, there was a, a, a personification of death by the name of Thanatos. And, to, and Thanatos basically reigned or demonstrated control using the power of death. And this gives the imagery that this is not just implying the end of physical life, but the absence of life that is connected to the beauty of God. I, I don't know if you've ever met someone whose life has been completely given over uh, to crack or, 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 or meth. If you've ever seen someone that was in that condition, that they were so far gone, you, the one thing you would notice, it almost seems as if they're helpless as if they are unredeemable. There's nothing, there's nothing good that can come out of their situation. You can try to save them, but there's nothing you can really do. They have been given over completely to those drugs and, and it's just all hopeless. At least that's what we perceive with our eyes. We think that it's over. And, and that's the idea that Paul is basically conveying when it comes to the issue of sin. You know, I, I love what Pastor said last Sunday when he said that the reason why God hates sin is because he knows what sin can do to you. Yes. That has really stuck with me because I've never really thought about it that way. Thank you, Pastor. You know. <laughs> but that's the idea. 
that you've been completely given over to sin, that your situation is unredeemable. You're, you are basically helpless. There's no lifeline. There's no one that you can call. Tanatos, Tanatos has reigned over you. Basically, your good is dead. You're just waiting for the clock to stop. The thing that afflicts the physical body and destroys the stability of the mind is as a result of sin and death having authority and power over who we are. But Yahweh is gracious. And the word, the logos, is in opposition against the dominion of sin and death because in him is life, in him is Zoe. He opposes your afflictions and your burdens. You can bring those things to him because he has power over those things. He has the power to overcome the authority of sin and death. Here is the truth. You cannot overcome sin by living your life. Your life is ineffective against sin. Why? Because your life has been contaminated with sin. You can't fight fire with fire. Ask a fireman. So a building is burning and you decide that you're going to put out the fire in this building by bringing fire, you are basically contributing to a hopeless situation. This is the reason why we struggle with, with various issues in life because we're trying to defeat sin through a life that has already been defeated. If, if, if Adam is your identity, then sin has authority over you. To overcome sin, you have to have a new life. The, the issue comes down to life. He who, who is the Logos renders sin powerless over you. He has the life that you need. Here is the wonderful news. Over 2,000 years ago, an exchange was made. His life for your life. A deal had been done on the cross of Calvary because it was his life that was given in order that we may have Zoe life, in order that we can be free from the bondage of sin and death. Eternal life is not about dying and going to heaven. I, I know that we limited that, you know, we limited eternal life to that thing. You hear a lot of times when people present the gospel as all about escaping, uh, escaping the, the grips of hell. It's about all about avoiding hellfire. You know, do you got your fire insurance? You know. <laughs> If you know Jesus, then, then you don't have to go to hell. And we limited the discussion to that. But eternal life is more than that. Eternal life is the life of God that is not subject to the power of sin and death. John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What is perish? What, what does that word perish mean? 
perish implies a permanent destruction. It is the picture of when an invading force or army comes to your country or your territory and, and as a result of their invasion utterly destroys everything in their path to where you can no longer rebuild in that place. Who is a destroyer? The destroyer is not God. Yahweh is gracious. The destroyer is sin and death. Why Christ? Because he came to save you from the destruction brought by sin and death. How? Through the gospel. We see his death on the cross by which God breaks the power of sin and death over us. And through his resurrection, we have life. And when we come into the knowledge of God and his son, the son who he sent, we would have eternal life. That is the life from God. The life of God that is not subject to the power of sin and death. John chapter 17 verse 3 this is eternal life that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. <laughs> he didn't say this is eternal life, you're going to heaven. <laughs> eternal life is a relationship. It starts with a relationship. It starts with you being connected to the life of God. Why? Because in the garden, that was what was lost. Adam and Eve, they had the life of God. They saw the beauty of God. They saw the amazing things of God. I mean, I wish I had an opportunity to get a chance to, 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 to step inside the garden to see all the amazing things that they saw. But as a result of being connected from that life, all was lost. And Jesus Christ has come to save you from the destruction, the ruin, the decimation that sin and death brings. Over 4,200 religions Recognized religions in the world and not one outside of Christ speaks of the life that we desperately need. How come Muhammad's death doesn't bring eternal life? So many people are, 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 are going over to Buddhism. How come Siddhartha Gautama, who was Buddha, how come his life doesn't bring eternal life? There's some people who, I, you know, that are starting to worship the universe, you know. I, I just want to thank the universe for all that the universe has brought. How come the universe doesn't bring eternal life? Joseph Smith, when he died, no eternal life. Why? Because they were not eternal. You can't offer something that you don't have. According to 1 John 1, Yeshua HaMashiach is the word of life. He is eternal life. When he says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Notice he didn't say I come that you may have bios. Hey. That's right. 
Notice that he didn't say that, that, that he's come that you may have suke. And by the way, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. He didn't come so that, so that you can have those things. He came to give you what you ultimately need so that it would actually have an impact on bios, that it would actually have an impact on suke. Having a knowledge of Jesus Christ can impact your mental health. It doesn't mean that you would stop going to see the psychiatrist. However, it gives you a healthier disposition of who you are, both physically, your bios, and mentally, your suke, when you have eternal life, when you are connected with God. Yahweh and Jesus Christ has the authority to give you that which you need. He has the authority and the ability to give you that which you can see the beauty and the knowledge of the true and living God. Why Christ? Because Jesus Christ is the only one who is capable of giving you eternal life. You can't have it through any other means. You can't have it through any other religion. You can search high and low. You can go to any country, any nation, and you will never find eternal life outside of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I heard that Dubai gives their citizens like $3,000 a month. That's what I heard, I could be wrong. That would be nice if, if the United States would give us like 3,000 a month. It's a lot of cars in my garage. <laughs> but Dubai cannot give you eternal life. As great as an idea that uh, many of our politicians say that they have before they get elected, none, neither one of them can promise you eternal life. Nothing outside of Jesus Christ can give you eternal life. What are you looking for today? Are you looking to overcome the power of sin and death? Are you tired of living in bondage? In which you're, I'm trying to get over one sin after another, but you keep doing it in your own strength. According to your own life, I'm coming to tell you that you can't do it that way. You can only do it by submitting yourself to Jesus Christ. Because there is life in him and in no other. Let us close our eyes and pray. Father God, I just want to glorify you. Just give you the praise and give you the honor for your word. Father God, there are those who are listening right now who have the need of knowing your son, Jesus Christ, who have the need of experiencing a life that is outside of what they are able to live, who have a need to connect with you. And Father God, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you will open their hearts to see that you are the life to see that your son has the life that they need, that they will come in contact with your son, that they will not look towards material things as solutions, that they will not look towards uh, one, 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 one uh, religious expert after another, but they will look to you. 
that they will not be dependent on, on things that are outside of your son, but they will look to your son. Jesus Christ, who, who, who gave his life on the cross so that we could have life, so that we can have it more abundantly, so that we can experience the life that is beyond what we can feel, the experience life beyond what we can comprehend with our mind, but no, truly have the life that is from you. That life is beyond our own measures. And Father God, we just pray that you will open their hearts to see your word, see your truth. Know that the universe can't offer anything, only Jesus Christ. And if you are here and you want to experience the life that comes from God, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come out of your seat. Simply asking you this. At the end of service, come see me. Come see Pastor Laurie. Come see Pastor IBK. See Pastor if he's available. But say, hey, I just want to have life. And we will pray with you, and we will set things up so that we can walk with you. Amen? Yeah. God bless, and you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.